The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Brooke Desher, who definitely has some thoughts on those new reverse retro Flyers jerseys. We're going to get into that and more on this latest edition of the Flyers Talk podcast. But Brooke, we finally have a little bit of news to talk about. It's refreshing. We have a Philip Myers contract. I think we were waiting for this forever. Uh, Philip Myers, restricted free agent defenseman, has now signed his new deal. Three years, $7.65 million. The deal has a $2.55 million average annual value. Myers is here for the future, Brooke. What do you think of the deal? Listen, I know that we have the whole little flat cap situation happening with contracts, but this was a great, great contract by Fletcher. And... I, I really I looked at it when the news broke yesterday, and I was like, "Wait a second, a number has to be missing in the press release that we just got," um, because we've been talking about Phil this entire off season, where he's going to have the potential and probably an opportunity to play top pair minutes, depending on how things play out. And if you have the opportunity to have, because Ivan Provorov obviously has. Uh, just a little over $6 million, I believe, average annual value with his contract. If you can balance that out with Phil Myers as a top-line pair, like a really solid top defensive pair with a little over $8 million a year, that's a great steal for the Flyers. And spread out throughout three years, too. Who knows where he's going to be at the end of just one season or at the end of two. He, you know... And you actually mentioned this in your um, article uh, yesterday on NBC Sports Philadelphia, where Keith Jones noted that he really has the potential to be a top defender in this league. Mm -hmm. So all around super exciting. And I think Flyers fans also were able to have that sigh of relief right now, where that was the last thing that really needed to be checked off in this Flyers offseason. So now it's like, all right. Give us that date. Give us that date because now we're ready to roll. <laughs> exactly. It was the last objective really for Chuck Fletcher in terms of this roster construction. Uh, obviously, everyone knew Philip Myers would be back. He was a restricted free agent, but it was just a matter of finding out the deal. And now we know it. And, Brooke, for me, the, the three years really stood out. I, thought, I think the Flyers are going to be very happy with the three years because you see a lot of upside with Philip Myers. As Keith Jones said, he believes Myers will be a star Myers looks like he's poised to take major, major strides. We're even talking about him possibly, possibly being on the top pair with Ivan Provorov, filling in for Matt Niskanen's role uh, as Matt Niskanen retired. Uh, so I think the Flyers are thinking, man, three years of Myers at 2.5 mil, 2.55 million average annual value, that's really good value. Because for me, I'm thinking if 
where can Myers be in year three of that deal? He could be a top pair defenseman taking serious, serious strides in his career. And to have him on that third year at $2.55 million could be an absolute bargain. And for Myers, maybe his camp is thinking, okay, three years, that's great job security. And then also you're thinking 2021 could be 50-some uh, games. So really Myers, in, in a way, it's kind of like a bridge contract because he's going to have two full seasons if everything goes well. And obviously the pandemic is under control and, and, and things get back to normal, not next season, but the following. Myers could have two seasons in full to really, really prove himself, set himself up for a great deal next time, and he'll be a restricted free agent again. So they'll have a little more, you know, they'll have a little more leverage with arbitration, eligibility, and whatnot. And hopefully Myers flourishes and all of a sudden his camp can really cash in on the next deal. Brooke, what stood out for you more? Was it the three years or was it the seven point six five million that he got over those three years? Um not to kind of water it down, but probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, I thought it might have been not a longer contract situation. I really had a feeling that his was going to be a shorter term. It wasn't going to be anything like signed, sealed. You're here for over half a decade like they did with Progorov because everybody expected that kind of contract for him. I still think that there's a lot of elements to Meyer's game that he needs to prove himself in, aspects of being able to just hone in and do the right things. Don't be too flashy and earn a, a more – I mean, he's already a top four mm-hmm. defenseman on this team. So the fact that it seems like both sides feel that he still has room to grow and to earn a bigger, longer term contract, because like you said, in my opinion, it does kind of feel like it is a, a longer term bridge of a deal for him. And, you know, once those three years are up, he, he's going to have a pretty decent payday, but after those three years, I mean, you, you got to start look at some, looking at some of these contracts that are, on the back end, you know, you're going to have Sean Couturier who is going to earn, earn that cash and Claude Giroux due for one in the next few years. So if he wants to stay in Philly, which he should. Um, so there's, there's a lot of interesting aspects. And then there's the whole, how are they approaching the expansion draft, which keeps lurking because I think a lot of people might have thought that halfway through last season, Myers might have been one of those guys who were unprotected. If he comes out this year and proves that he is a top defender, where do you, where do you lean with all of the other guys? Who, who do you want to risk exposing for this draft? Which gives me so much anxiety. Who is going to, who is going to be stolen from us? <laughs> it's not an expansion draft. You are stealing my players, Seattle. I know it's funny. We still have the 2020-21 season to play, but it just feels like that expansion draft is just kind of lurking in the distance and it's just hanging over there saying, hey, we're ready to uh, pluck one of your players. <laughs> um, it's, it's on the minds of everyone. It's certainly on the minds, like you said, Brooke, of um, GMs across the league. Obviously, you have to construct your roster with, uh, with that in mind. And, um, and yeah, it's, fr- it's funny. We forget that Philip Myers – has only played 71 games so far in his career. So there's still a lot of proving to be done, but all signs show a, a, a really promising kid, six foot five, 210 pounds, mobile, can make plays with the puck. And what, like we were saying, Brooke, I think he's only getting better in the defensive end, and he looks like he could be a force in all three zones um, 
if he continues to progress, and we know he works hard. So I think, for, like you said, for both sides, a very promising deal. Brooke, where would you like to see Philip Myers play next season? Um, second pair, first pair, any chance he's on that third pair? Where, where would you like to see him? He's definitely not playing third pair minutes. No. It's just knock that one out, bump it. <laughs> um, I do think that there's going to be some times where he's going to fluctuate between the first and second pairing, mainly because I really liked what Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim were able to um, create throughout last season, their chemistry, they were really building and growing. And for two young defenders to be able to be, and it's, it's a lot has to do with Elaine Vigneault because he was putting them against some of the top lines in the league. So he knew what he was doing in the sense of being able to grow this confidence of some of the younger defenders. Um, However, I do think that's something that's going to be played around a bit because we need to see where Eric Gustafsson's going to fit. And right off the bat, you immediately think that he's going to be paired off with Ivan Provorov to keep that veteran presence going and to allow Provorov to be able to just work on his game, do what he does, and then Gustafsson kind of just covers everything else up. Um, I think it's going to be – I think it's going to fluctuate. That's lock-in. That's my final answer. <laughs> Perfect final answer. I think it will fluctuate as well. I think it's gonna, we're going to see something similar to what we saw with the forwards last year a lot of the times where guys were playing on different lines, um, different combinations were being, were being experimented with. Um, because while this is not a new team to Elaine Vigneault now, he knows what he has in place. Um, you know, they got to figure out this new pair. There was such a... Matt Niskin and Ivan Provrov, one, two, they were a fixture on that top pair. And now they're going to have to experiment some more and see who works best with Provrov, who is ready to take on those bigger minutes. And again, it could be an experiment because you're going to have to really test these guys and see if they're up for the challenge. But Phil Myers will certainly be among those getting those audition minutes. And uh, we know Travis Sainheim, Eric Gustafson, who even knows Shane Gossespair. Chuck Fletcher talked about Shane Gossespair being – on that top pair with Provrov when they both, when they both had career years. So we, we shall see, but Philip Myers in the future for the next three years with the Philadelphia Flyers. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tis the season to thrill at the Nissan year-end sales event. Get in, then get out and experience the most riveting ride of the year in a brand new Nissan. These savings on Nissan's lineup are sure to raise your pulse. So, Brooke, I think a certain jersey won you over over the past mm-hmm. few days. Yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah. Hmm. You have changed your mind, Brooke Destra. Yeah. I pulled a, I pulled a Joel Embiid. I, I did a 180 <laughs> as that Jeopardy reference. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, listen, to preface this, if you guys didn't listen to the podcast when, they were, when we were first discussing them, I didn't hate them. 
something just didn't sit right with me. It wasn't something that I wasn't completely sold head over heels in love, love at first sight, soulmate kind of connection with this journey. That's normal. That's fine because I have a rule with myself that I can't fully judge a uniform, a jersey, anything across all leagues, across all sports until I see it in action. Because seeing an image where it's all lit in different ways, it's a white out background, it changes the effect of when you actually see it in full effect. And Monday night was the first time we got to see that. Ivan Provorov, this machine who probably has not taken a day off skating since the off season started for them was um, at the training camp at skating camp in Voorhees and was head to toe in the, the new, the new Jersey. And wow. That was the first time we had seen it head to toe broke. And I, listen, I am a sucker for socks if they are. <laughs> and that it's, it's funny because we're talking about the sweater, but the socks were the selling point for me mm-hmm. because up until that point, it almost seemed like the jerseys, like we knew that they were a darker orange than this kind of neonish color that we get now. I didn't realize how dark it was. So seeing, it almost reminded me more of like a classic Phantoms jersey than a classic Flyers. And listen, I more of like a Philadelphia Phantoms, not Lehigh, not Lehigh Valley Phantoms-esque uh, yeah. jersey. But the, the burnt orange in contrast with the black and the sleeves that I hated, the sleeves I did hate because there were so much white. It seemed like too much blank space. Um, when the gloves were on, it didn't bother me. Yeah. Not one bit. So man, I, I don't think I owe the jerseys an apology. No. But they've definitely grown on me. <laughs> Taryn was the first to say I told you so. Um, but yeah, I, I'm happy that I kept my opinion kind of open until I f- saw the full concept at the ice. And man, like if, if we didn't need an incentive to have hockey back, I, I want to see. I want to see those in game action. Like, let's go! I'm ready. <laughs> I know. I think I saw your tweet, and I think. That was the shared sentiment across Flyers fans uh, was let's go. Let's see these in action. Um, I think it got everyone pretty juiced. Not only was it a glimpse of the jersey in full, but there's Ivan Program, your workhorse, out there <laughs> showing them off. It really does. This jersey really does remind me of the 2019 Stadium Series jerseys. When they first came out, everyone was like, what? Like, that is so plain. Mm-hmm. It's so boring. It's so dark and dull. And once you saw him on the ice in front of those 70,000 fans at Lincoln Financial Field under the lights at night, I thought they looked pretty sharp. I thought they looked really sharp. And now whenever I see that jersey, I think of that night. I think of that comeback against the Penguins. I think of Lincoln Financial Field, wet fans just going crazy with Claude Drew's overtime game-winning goal. And that jersey, I think, will forever be remembered for that. Uh, Oh yeah. Uh, And it's funny that you mentioned that because I loved those jerseys when they first came out. I was like, Oh yeah, these are going to stick. They're going to stick for some reason. And I think it it really is because listen, orange is my favorite color. They just, it just so happens to be the flyers main color (laughs) as well. Coincidence, probably 
eh, maybe that one swayed the other, whatever. Um, <laughs> the darker orange is just, that reminds me of classic Philly hockey for me. So I think that's at first why I like the uniforms and the jerseys so much during the 2019 stadium series for that reason. And I didn't realize, like I said, how dark the orange was going to be in the reverse retro. So that immediately, I was like, all right, these, you know, they're not too bad. They're not too bad. Did I put one on my Christmas list now? Yeah. yeah. Yes, I did. I was just going <laughs> to say the Flyers had some good timing of when they sent out that video. December is, you know, just, the, you know, basically the first week of December, they popped that video out there. I have a feeling sales for the jersey went up a bit once they saw Ivan Provrov skating around in that sweater. And fans, you can get them. You can get them at the Wells Fargo Center official website shop. You can also get them at adidas.com. Um, yeah, I have a feeling they're going to spike in sales as uh, the holidays get closer. Ooh la la. <laughs> Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. Whenever our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Brooke, also this week, not only did that sweater uh, jersey unveil come out in full with Ivan Provrov, Forbes, their annual valuation rankings of all NHL teams also came out. The Flyers are at number seven, seventh most valuable team in the NHL. That's where they were last season as well. And broke their, they have a calculated value of $800 million. Top 10, not bad at all. And I think the Flyers have done some really good things in terms of, one, they have revamped their hockey operations uh, with Chuck Fletcher and some other names. Obviously, Elaine Vigneault has been very crucial, a major investment for the organization, and they're probably going to get a pretty good return on investment already so far with Elaine Vigneault's direction and leadership. And then you have things like Gritty. The creation of Gritty obviously makes a lot of money for the Flyers. And I really thought fans were buying in down the stretch of the 2019-20 season. Unfortunately, it came to a halt with the coronavirus pandemic. So there will be challenges across the league with the pandemic and the very unusual 2020-21 season without fans or maybe certain amount of fans in the building. But Flyers in the top 10, very good market, very good fan support and some good leadership for the Flyers, Brooke. What do you think of that ranking? Yeah, I mean, I think people still need to realize outside of Philly or even Philly in general is that when you think of this Philadelphia through and through, we're a sports city. We know that. Everybody knows that you think of Philly, you think of cheesesteaks, and you think of sports. It, again, they go hand in hand. And right off the bat, everybody just assumes, oh, yeah, this is a football city. It is a football Ball, Philadelphia and football, Eagles, bread and butter. But, you know, given their circumstance now, <laughs> um, it's, it's let hockey shine for a second. Um, we got the Super Bowl. We get to celebrate. We, we still endure watching the birds every weekend, um, even though it, as painful as it may sound. But when push comes to shove, Philly is also a very hockey-centric city. And people tend to forget that because of the past – a crappy decade that we've really had of hockey but the era growing like the era before me the era in the 80s obviously their cup runs in the 70s legion of doom era i mean you can really go on and on and on about all of these times where hockey has just become a focal point in philadelphia so i love that they're considered top 10 i mean yeah obviously it's all it's it's more about the money 
or it's not, not, it's not about the money. No, it's not. It's, it's how, <laughs> Oh my God. No, no, nobody quote <laughs> me like that incorrectly on Twitter. I caught myself. I promise. It it's did. not, it's not. Um, it's how they cater to their fans and they're creating things that fans come back to enjoy because the last podcast when I was talking about my favorite Sean Couturier moment, 2017, 2018, um, first round of the playoffs against the Penguins, game six, I was there as a fan. Now, I enjoyed it. Uh, not the loss, obviously, but being there, being in that atmosphere, I've never been to a game, let alone a possible elimination game in Philly where nobody was there. It was so empty. You could hear a pin drop probably. And there were so many empty sections. And it's crazy to see how over just the course of two seasons, really how that's grown. And I'm not giving all the credit to Gritty. I'll give some of the credit to Gritty. <laughs> but you just really see all of the different renovations because they didn't want a new arena. They like Wells Fargo Center. They like the bases that they had. So they figured, okay, upgrades. With upgrades, unfortunately, does become those kind of ticket raises and prices um, are getting heightened just a little bit, but that's just because your experience is getting elevated. Um, I remember the first time I saw that new 4k screen, mm -hmm. the start of the season, I think it was the home opener against the devils. And I met you in the press, the press box. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it almost extends to the length of the ice. It's insane. Yeah. So it really absolutely elevates the overall experience, overall feel, um, and it's, it's exciting to know that the Flyers are getting that kind of recognition. You know, they, they've been around for a significant amount of time now and Philly loves them, the league, they're clearly a top 10 and it's not like they're putting out a crappy product anymore. No. You know, it's, it's kind of like it's, it's making sense now and it's clicking. Um, yeah, I do give some credit to Gritty. Just so. Gritty, Gritty definitely does because let's be real, he has probably put a lot of fans in seats once he had. Once he did he had, last um, season. I'll tell yeah. you that because yep. the, t the product on the ice was not driving traffic. They exactly. wanted to see Gritty jump from the rafters. Yeah, he kind of came at a perfect time in 2018 19, just given that team, we know what they went through. It was a tumultuous season. Uh, but there was Gritty, and he put fans in the seats, and he still does. And then you don't even think of what he does in terms of. Um, you know, visits and, you know, appearances on top of all gritty apparel. Uh, so gritty is important. Gritty is important. And yeah, the Flyers have really been proactive. Obviously, Comcast Spectacore as well, owning the Flyers in terms of renovating the Wells Fargo Center and making it more attractive and um, modern for fans. And then, but I always remember Dave Scott, uh, CEO and chairman of Comcast Spectacore in November 2018, he said, you know, at the end of the day, it's about winning hockey games. Uh, you know, businesses, all businesses are about producing results. Um, that is the end game, producing results and winning hockey games. And it really does come down to that. And the Flyers have gotten back to that. Give them credit. In 2019-20, they got back to winning hockey games. And what happened? Fan support spiked. We saw attendance growing as they went on their run from January up until the pause. Uh, fans were buying in. And for me, I really could – sense it when the return to play happened and the Flyers swept through that round robin. I had numerous friends, numerous friends who were born and raised in Philadelphia, love their sports teams, 
but they were never really in on the Flyers for a while. Like, it just never really – hockey, I always think, is it's kind of a niche game. Like, the fans of the game are passionate. They are rabid, yep. but it's kind of a niche sport. Some are either all in and some are just kind of, like, on the fence. You know, maybe follow it when the teams are good. But I had numerous Flyers fans reaching out to me and just saying, wow, like, this team is fun. Like, I love this team. Like, every game has been super fun. I'm all in. I think they could go far. And that told me what, like, winning, that's what winning does. Winning, winning wins people over. You're going to see support from all types of fans, the diehards, the ones that are kind of just here and there. Uh, so winning is most important. It puts fans in seats. It gets people watching. It gets people investing. And I think the Flyers really made major, major strides in 2019 towards winning hockey games and getting back to being a Stanley Cup contender. And I think that's why Dave Scott, in July, talked about how he could not be happier with where the team was headed on the ice. That is the driving force, and the Flyers look like they're going there. Yeah, I definitely think a big thing this season as opposed to the, the previous few where they basically made the playoffs, missed the playoffs every other season. You didn't really know what you were going to get. You had a mediocre performance team losing streaks that brought them in ridiculous losing streaks, 10 game losing streaks. And they sneak, they sneak into the playoffs and then 10 game winning streaks and you miss the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's Philly hockey in a nutshell. <laughs> but I think the biggest difference this season, as opposed to last ones is that there really was that sense of optimism. And again, I think I talked, I touched on this a little bit earlier in the week as well, but the optimism started to come back for fans. Like, there were still people that were hesitant because obviously when they're winning, I'm very excited on social media. I share it. I think during every single game, I, I tweet in all caps because I need people to like understand I'm, I'm screaming through my Twitter. <laughs> um, but there were a lot of people in the beginning that were like, oh, I'm not sold. This is typical flyers. You know, they're going to disappoint us eventually, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Okay. By the end or toward, toward the stoppage. So end of February, early March, People were very all on board. They were very all on board. Yep, that is a well-constructed sentence, Brooke. Um, to the point where I wrote that letter addressing the bandwagon fans, or I should put them in quotes, the bandwagon fans that started to really pay more attention to the Flyers. And it was like, listen, nobody is going to be sit if, if anybody is gatekeeping a sports team, stop. Who are you? Yeah. To sit there and be like, oh, no, you can't root for this team. Who, who, get off your high horse. No. Get away from the horses in general. Um, you can't have it both ways of like, we want more support. Why aren't more people Flyers fans like, exactly. like our score? And then you, when you get it, it's like, no, you weren't here since day one. Like, no, welcome everyone. Exactly. Welcome everyone, Brooke, so, right? That's what you wrote. Yeah, that was basically the, the consensus of that entire letter. It was like, I promise you, the people who just want to be able to support this team – are going to sit there and not care about if you watched them two seasons ago or not. There were times where I turned the TV off because they were unbearable to watch sometimes. That is normal. You've done that with every single sport team that you've, been, that you've grown up watching. It's normal. Who cares? Exactly. Literally, who cares? Let people root for who they want to root for. Let people watch who they want to watch. Like I said, it's, it was mind-boggling because for the most part, that 
post was very receptive. People were like, yeah, this is great. Like, this is what it's all about. And then there were other people that were like, no, they were crapping on our team for the past few years. And I'm like, okay, but something is drawing them back. Yeah. What is the big deal? I don't, that's something that'll, it'll never make sense in my mind, but I, I welcome bandwagoners because it means that it's more people. And I don't even really necessarily like the term bandwagoners either. Um, let's just stop gatekeeping. Yeah. Let people enjoy what they want to enjoy. It's not the end of the world that more people are liking your sport. More arenas are selling out, more games are selling out. It ups the atmosphere. It ups the environment. Just enjoy it and move on. Don't pick fights. Random fights on the internet are so unnecessary, but that's a rant for another day. There we go. <laughs> well, and Brooke, I, I wanted to ask you, and I think two major investments that I thought saw some very nice early return on investments for the Flyers were Elaine Vigneault and Kevin Hayes. And there's still a lot more work to be done. But in year one, Elaine Vigneault was obviously a significant investment with a five-year contract. And then Kevin Hayes, of course, the all-nice product, seven years, 50 million. And I thought those two made the Flyers not only better on the ice, but more likable. I think, and like, that's what team, I think fans want to rally behind teams because they're likable. And Kevin Hayes, we know what he does personality wise. We know what he does on the ice. Um, he's fun and he made the team more fun. And Elaine Vigneault, as much as he is stern hockey coach, you know, tough, he showed his personality and he was likable. Uh, so I thought those were two big things, but I do not think there's going to be moving forward once things get back to normal and we have fans in the Wells Fargo Center and we're back to having fun in there. I don't think there's going to be a bigger ticket seller than Carter Hartbrook. Um, he is the future in net, and I think people saw this young kid, 22 years old in net and shining, and he had people buying tickets online and flocking to the Wells Fargo Center. I remember, and this is – looking back to my internship. So I was there when he was called up his first game against the Red Wings. And I just remember the nerves. Everyone was so jittery. They were like, Oh my God, what if after all of this, you know, he, he stumbles because it's been, it's been announced. It was on record that they didn't want to call him up if they didn't need to, they wanted him to play at least a full season in Lehigh Valley. Well, that didn't happen. We saw him in December. And I remember being there when he took warm-ups. I remember when they announced it, when he was going to be starting. I looked at Twitter because that's the first thing I do because that is the century and generation that we live in. You check social media for your news. Um, the amount of people that I saw that were scrambling to try and find tickets to see his premiere, yeah. to see his first professional start, and then to see his first win. And then he went on that winning streak right out of the gate and everyone was like oh my god oh my god and obviously it stopped i believe it was seven was it seven games i think it was seven eight, straight i believe he was seven. i think it was eight and then it stopped i think but i, I could be wrong okay but still a, a very impressive amount for somebody who wasn't even expected to make the nhl that year and I just remember everything kept growing. And even when it got to the point where it seemed like they weren't going to make the postseason, mm -hmm. in previous years, you would kind of see the Wells Fargo Center kind of empty out throughout the end of the year. People would not feel like giving their tickets away. People weren't coming in. It was like, oh, what's the point? 
you don't really expect much. They're not going to see the postseason, whatever. I still feel like you still saw a pretty decent amount of people show up for him. And I can't even wait to see. We're not seeing fans next season. It's not. It's for the safety of everyone. Good. Right. Good. That first game where people are going to be allowed back in. If life is normal in a perfect world, if the following season everybody can show up, everything is normal, you can go to full capacity, that center for many reasons is going to be ridiculously loud. It's going to be, I think it's going to be one of those more, one of those moments in sports where you'll never forget because of how long it's been since the last time you've experienced it. But on top of that, having Carter Hart there and having, and the Flyers giving fans a reason to want to come back, to want to be at live games and experiences again, which is not, wasn't the case a few years ago. That says so much about the current product of this team and what's expected uh, moving forward. So it's, I don't know. It's exciting. We really did take these games for granted. Yep. I miss it. it. (laughs) Indeed. I do too. And I think everyone does. And the entire organization is really smart. It knows what it has in Carter Hart and it will market him uh, very well because he is a, you know, he is a great sales pitch for wanting fans to buy in, come to Flyers games, look at Carter Hart, but they will be smart in how they market him too, because he is only 22 years old. He is a kid. Uh, but he is the future, and it's very exciting for the Flyers to have that type of presence in net. If only ESPN knew about mm. Carter Hartbrook. Yeah, you, have you a, would think. I think you have a beef with uh, ESPN. I have, a, I have a bone to pick with ESPN. What else is new? I feel like, ugh, I'm not going to turn it into a roast session. Don't worry, everybody. But you would really think that a team that was top eight in the league – one game away from the Eastern Conference Finals would make a would make a graphic would be in a graphic that had every other team in the league on it. Don't you think, Jordan Hall? Yeah. Don't you think that? Listen, mistakes happen. I'm not I'm not sitting here being like, oh yeah, I didn't have a typo in one thing that I've written over my life. But when you're talking, especially when you're looking at the graphic, was about the realignment, possible division realignment for this upcoming season. So nobody would even have a single idea where the Flyers would have fallen, obviously in the East, but hello? Do do you not? I mean, obviously it it must be, I mean, we're, we work in Philly sports. Obviously we're going to list off the Eastern teams, Philadelphia, some of the top few, but top eight. Final eight, one of the final eight teams in the league. They didn't, make the, they didn't make the graphic, but it's fine because Flyer social media guy threw some major shade. So if you guys haven't seen that, check it out. It gave me a good laugh today. Yeah, check out the Flyers official Twitter account. They acknowledged it. Um, it, was a, it, it was apparently a graphic, I think, on SportsCenter, on ESPN SportsCenter, and it was noting the proposed realigned divisions – uh, for 2020-21, and by accident, the Flyers were left out on the graphic. They didn't even appear in what it, they should be in the East Division, the proposed division, um, and people noticed it. Unfortunately, people noticed, and they caught mistakes like that. 
Uh, I feel bad for whomever made that mistake. Uh, I'm not going to attack They're getting roasted. Yeah. They're getting roasted on social media <laughs> right Unfortunately, now. it was the Flyers. I think if maybe it was like a smaller market team, maybe it wouldn't have Yeah, if it was the Senators, no one would care. Right, but uh, it happened in Philly, and Philly, <laughs> Philly will point that stuff out, and that's why we love the city and its fans. Uh, I personally really love ESPN's online coverage of hockey, to be uh, completely honest. I love – I think Emily Kaplan – and Greg Wyshynski, I think they do a fantastic job covering the NHL. Uh, check out their work, to be honest. Uh, I think it's fantastic. But unfortunately, on SportsCenter, Flyers did not get some love in that graphic by accident. It's but all hey. good. It's all love. Everyone, exactly. You know, it's the off season. We have little hiccups and mistakes. It's just, you know, sometimes with the past few days, we, f- we had a Myers contract. We're talking about hockey coming back. So anything to be able to talk about the sport that we love, we're going to do it. Even if it's just a little roast, a little exactly. baby roast, it's fine. We, we know, we know you guys know the Flyers exist. Hey, don't be worry. And maybe it was a blessing in disguise, Brooke, for Flyers fans in the organization because uh, they were able to create a little bit of a stir. And now I think people will not make the mistake of leaving out the Flyers. And maybe they're paying attention to the Philly hockey team a little bit more. So that's always a good thing. Right. Or maybe they even assumed that like they're just going to represent the East. Yeah. So why even put them in a division? Just put them in the Eastern Conference final and that's simple. Off you go. Just kidding. (laughs) Well, Brooke, I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. That's your fun off-season talk as always with you. Thank you so much. Uh, Can't wait to talk to you next time. A special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening. This is the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. 